September 23rd. Our reading in the New Testament today is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. We'll go from death to life here, and the lost sinners are not simply sick people needing help. No, they are dead people needing life. The Son of God died that we might receive life through faith in Him. We move from bondage to freedom. Lost sinners are in bondage to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and cannot free themselves. In Christ, you have true freedom. Now God is working in you and through you to accomplish His great purposes. We'll go from the tomb to the throne. God did not give you life and leave you in the cemetery. Oh, He lifted you up to sit on the throne with His victorious Son. And we'll move from separation to reconciliation. In Jesus Christ, believing Jews and Gentiles are now one. The barriers have been removed. Believers are members of one body, citizens of one holy nation, and living stones in one temple. All of this is of God, His marvelous love, and His grace and kindness. No wonder Paul opened this letter with a doxology. And let's read all about it right now as we begin today's narration of the New Testament. September 23rd, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. Once you believers were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so very much, that even while we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's special favor that you have been saved, for He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with Him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. And so God can always point to us as examples of the incredible wealth of His favor and kindness toward us, as shown in all He has done for us through Christ Jesus. God saved you by His special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders by birth. You were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people Israel, and you did not know the promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you belong to Christ Jesus. Though you once were far away from God, now you have been brought near to Him because of the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has made peace between us Jews and you Gentiles 
by making us all one people. He has broken down the wall of hostility that used to separate us. By his death, he ended the whole system of Jewish law that excluded the Gentiles. His purpose was to make peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new person from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, who were far away from him, and to us Jews who were near. Now all of us, both Jews and Gentiles, may come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit, because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. This week's Bible meditation is on Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The human soul is so bent that we don't want the actual God of the universe. We want a God of our own design. When we are half-hearted about the things of God, the pressures and the brokenness of the world will more than likely eventually render us no-hearted about the things of the Lord. It's our turn to be valiant. It's our turn to be prayerful. It's our turn uh, to make war against injustice. It's just our turn. And the people before us were faithful to the Lord, and and now it's our run. And I don't know how long our run lasts, but it's our turn. We're here. The world hadn't changed. Uh, It's just our turn to be filled with the Holy Spirit, informed by the Word of God, and to press into the darkness with calloused knees and calloused hands. Not just calloused knees and not just calloused hands. Both. Both. And so I thought we would look at King Uzziah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. The Bible tells us he finds Zechariah, and he wants to be trained, and he wants to be trained in something very specific, and he wants to be trained in a fear of God. He wants to be trained in a fear of God. He wants to be trained in being able to see, savor, sit in, um, marinate in the greatness and majesty of God. He wants to feel small. Like what a 
countercultural pursuit for us. I want to feel small. I, I want to know there's something bigger and more powerful and more mighty than I am. I want to be smaller than I know I'm king of Judah, but king of Judah is nothing compared to king of the universe. I want to feel tiny. Train me in this. Two kind of pieces, two kind of strengths that begin to be developed in the heart of someone who is growing, being trained in a fear of God, a fear of the Lord. The majesty of God, the size of God, the scope of his sovereignty and power creates two things in the hearts of those who are his. Creates wisdom and knowledge. He knows, I don't, I'm going to submit to that. And it creates courage. It creates courage because God is God and who could stay his hand. Right? I mean, if I'm a child of the king, what, do I, what have I to fear? If I've been purchased by his blood, if I'm a, an adopted son, if, my, if I'm an heir of, of the promise, if I inherit new heavens and new earth and I get uh, unfettered access to God, what have I to fear? Like, what could you do to me? Not like me? Kill me? What could you possibly take from me? See, you start to grow in confidence and you don't grow in confidence in you. See, the fear of the Lord doesn't produce confidence in you. In fact, it doesn't even produce confidence in your faith, but rather the object of your faith. Our confidence grows in that God is able. God is willing. God is at work. God will win. The ultimate victory belongs to the Lord and our confidence begins to grow. And, and then one of the things that, that I, I, I want to fight for all, all the days that God gives me breath is, is this kind of weak notion that, that piety somehow equals passivity. You know, that if you're a pious man, a pious woman, that somehow equals kind of this uh, weird, quiet meekness where you just kind of cross your fingers and hope God will. And, and Because that's definitely not what we see in the Bible. In fact, pious men and women in the Bible are ferocious. And so Uzziah gets up off of his knees, uh, closes his Torah, filled with the word of God, blown away by the majesty of God, and he rejects passivity and he gets to work. Now, my, my hope is anchored in one place, and it is anchored in this truth, that the gospel of Jesus Christ can penetrate any and every darkness and is the only hope any of us have around any of this. And so I, I refuse to lose hope in the midst of what appears to be madness. Because I know we win. I know we win, and I know one day all of this nonsense will vanish. Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7. This missionary psalm exhorts us to get the message out to all the nations of the world. Why? Because they need light. The lost walk in darkness and need the light of God's face to shine upon them. They have lost their way and are headed for eternal darkness. Does that burden you at all? And because they need joy, sin gives pleasure for only a short time. But in Christ, there are pleasures forevermore. How can we keep to ourselves the joy that Jesus gives? And because they need righteousness, 
which can come only through faith in Jesus Christ. Man's righteousness can never satisfy the demands of God's holy law. And because they need life. The field is the world, but that field is not producing fruit to the glory of God. Only with God's life and blessing can the harvest of righteousness come. If every believer did what you do about missions, would all the people of the earth be praising the Lord? Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7. For the choir director, a psalm to be accompanied by stringed instruments, a song. May God be merciful and bless us. May His face shine with favor upon us. May Your ways be known throughout the earth, Your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise You, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise You. How glad the nations will be, singing for joy, because You govern them with justice and direct the actions of the whole world. May the nations praise You, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise You. Then the earth will yield its harvests, and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us, and people all over the world will fear Him. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 through 35. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns, trying out new drinks. Don't let the sparkle and smooth taste of wine deceive you. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous serpent. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations, and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea clinging to a swaying mast. And you will say, They hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can have another drink? <laughs>